Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen O'Sullivan and I am the host of this show. And together with a wide range of legendary leaders and experts in the field of leadership of self and others, we are going to explore concepts and ideas that show you how you can move past potential fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage you to becoming a legendary leader yourself with far more natural impact, influence and inspiration. We want you to be you, to be at your best and to show up in the most authentic way. So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. A very warm welcome to all of you out there. It's lovely for you to join me again for another really insightful and for me quite touching conversation, in all honesty. Now, the topic burnout isn't necessarily a new one for the Legendary Leaders podcast. We discussed it before, but what I'm always trying to do is to... I shared from a different angle, and today we will be focusing on burnout, not only in leadership as such, but particular for entrepreneurs, business owners who say, I want to change something about my life. I want to prioritize perhaps my overall well-being, more lift into my purpose. And then they wake up one day saying, what is going on? And that is actually something that I've experienced. I went full-time entrepreneur when... Uh, I don't know, just before the pandemic, 2018, I think it was, maybe a year before. And um, it has been an incredibly insightful, amazing path since then, but it certainly had and still has its challenges, I think, as any role has. But what you may be lacking and what I was lacking at this point of time was the connection network, just someone who sees me who notices me and says, you know, are you actually all right? Because I, I'm still learning how to ask for help and how to talk to other people more proactively about what's going on. And I remember the first year was, in my definition, very successful. Successful in terms of I could make my own choices and decisions. I learned so much and that has never stopped since. And actually worked with a lot of groups and people that I truly enjoyed working with. So a lot of what I wanted to achieve happened. On top of that, what also happened was I became pregnant and that was wonderful news and so, so wanted. But I thought ahead, being the action-oriented person that I am, I was thinking about, okay, how can you make sure you're well set up for maternity leave, everything is fine, you don't have to be worried about any financial concerns, and so on and so forth. So building a buffer, financial buffer was really important. Building a strategic plan that would enable me to keep working, but far less hours was another part of the plan. And then the pandemic hit. And what happened was, and again, that was brilliant, I could turn the work pretty swiftly into virtual work and kept working, right? I know so many coaches and trainers who couldn't um, do their work anymore, went back into either corporate or who had to get governmental support and kind of get through this phase. And for me, I just thought, this is amazing. I'm such a lucky person. Now let's get most out of it. And that was the downfall, really. 
Fast forwarding a few months, I think I was six, seven months pregnant. I still remember as it was yesterday, I sat in front of my laptop and got ready to run a workshop with a large organization in banking. And it was a huge program. This was just one of the workshops out of many that we ran. And the pressure was on to deliver really well, to hit the nail on the head with the content and to help people through their own changes. And throughout this workshop, as I ran it as the coach and facilitator, I noticed something was off. And it wasn't the usual, I feel a bit tired of where my language gets a bit frazzled, perhaps, uh, especially when I swap throughout the day on multiple occasions between German and English. Sometimes I'm just mixing up words and so on. And, and it felt unusual. I felt like I wasn't in control anymore of my words. I felt I couldn't express myself properly. And it almost felt like my mouth and my jaw were numbing and felt paralyzed. On top of that, I could realize that people looked at me weirdly and strangely, at least that was my perception. So I built more and more pressure onto me in terms of get yourself together, what is going on, do it properly, all of these lovely words and stories that we can tell ourselves. On top of that, my left arm started to hurt and then shortly after turned numb. And I realized something was clearly off. Something is going on. Now, here's the utterly crazy addition to that story. I sent the group into uh, a break and it was time for a break. The group returned and I continued. And I still continued to stutter. I still had pain. And I finished that workshop. In all honesty, there were around 40 minutes left and I ran through it. It was the first time where I wasn't interested in the feedback because I just assumed it would be horrible anyway. No one knew what was going on with me. And clearly, given that I wasn't able to express myself very, very clearly and, and properly, God knows what people thought was going on with me in that moment. But you know what? Looking back at the situation now, I'm like, why? Why did you continue? Why did you not stop there and then and said, I'm really sorry, but I'm very unwell. And for that reason, I need to pause or stop the session. And I was pregnant at this point of time. Ending up in hospital in the end, um, staying in the hospital overnight, being thoroughly checked. The assumption initially was it was a stroke. It wasn't. It was a sort of migraine that hit me in that moment. And my dad had a similar experience a few years before that. In summary, it was frightening. It was shocking. It was surprising. It was a situation that felt completely out of control for a control freak like me. And after I had the chance to be overnight in hospital where I wasn't literally allowed to do anything, I also had for the first time the chance to properly reflect and think about what's really important. And the importance was the health of my baby and the health of me. And that was the moment when I had this clear thinking mode and could make the decision to uh, literally stop anything from then on for the rest of my pregnancy and to a certain extent beyond and to really reflect upon my working style. I can only imagine that there might be now a variety of opinions um, that might be going on through your head, but I wanted to be just very open and honest about how people who are moving toward burnout might feel what might be going on for them. And in my case in particular, this 
initial focus on delivering successfully and getting the work done was the focus. And it was the priority in this moment. And with a clear mind, one wouldn't probably see that as a priority. I certainly wouldn't. And this is the topic we are going to be talking about today in all detail, because Julie B, my guest for today, is an expert in it, not just because she has experienced burnout on a couple of occasions and for different reasons, but she is an expert who is now helping other entrepreneurs recognize burnout symptoms early on so that they have a chance to do something about them. Yeah, But she also helps entrepreneurs build tools and implement uh, methods that will help them actually avoid hitting the wall, as I have done it and as Julie has done it a few times as well. But let me introduce Julie to you first of all. She isn't just an award-winning entrepreneur. She's been dubbed the small business fixer by her clients and peers. And with over 15 years in the entrepreneurial field, Julie has solidified her reputation as a dynamic consultant, a raveating speaker, and a leader who sheds light on the darker side of business ownership. Whether it's reshaping workplace cultures or empowering leaders, her influence proves game-changing for those who collaborate with her. And she offers um, small communities where you can get support from her and others in the community with your business, with potential um, symptoms of feeling worn out, tired, perhaps even burnout. We are going to be talking about overwhelm and burnout and the types of burnout as well. What we can do to manage uh, burnout in the moment, but most importantly, how can we implement systems and processes in our businesses that can help us avoid it and then really can help us live into the purpose that we were laying out to achieve and to fulfill. She also talks very openly about the definition of success. And success shouldn't be solely measured in financial successes. So what else plays a role in it? We are, we'll be talking about so much more. But most importantly, let's hear from Julie and her own experiences, because they are empowering, they are inspirational, they are vulnerable and touching. So enjoy today's conversation. And I'll speak to you again in a moment. Hello and welcome, Julie. How are you doing today? Kathleen, I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here today. And thanks for having me on the show. Well, I was so looking forward to award-winning podcaster, author, award-winning entrepreneur. There's so much we need to talk about here today. But you know what? I'm just delighted to have you here to see you. We had a quick pre-chat as well. And I always know it's going to be a fabulous and interesting conversation when there's flow and there's genuine interest and dialogue. And that's something without over-promising that we are going to deliver to you all out there today. So Julie, before we dive into some of the topics I've just mentioned, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit more about you and in particular, what you are doing at the moment, how you're serving the people out there and what led you there? Yeah, so I call myself a business owner burnout strategist. And what I do big picture is I help business owners and their teams set up businesses and, and the processes within them that run them and their, their whole team dynamic in a way that helps prevent burnout to begin with with business owners. 
And there's a lot of ways I do that. I, I do a lot of consulting. Um, I also am starting to host what I'm calling fuel sessions, which are short four week cohorts where we bring business owners together so that they can work on that visionary idea that they have that they never seem to get to because I have found that that is something that actually causes burnout uh, when business owners kind of get isolated or they feel like they're not working with other business owners and not they don't have that social uh, network or that opportunity to also brainstorm with them and actually get the work done. So I'm bringing that together uh, starting in a couple of weeks. And, and then in addition to that, I have a book coming out in June of 2024 called Burned. And it is basically it's the business owner's guide to burnout. So it's a step-by-step process, how to basically become aware of it and acknowledge it, how to battle it, and then ultimately how to leverage it. So I I say that I talk about burnout and I do everything I, f- I focus on is really to help business owners prevent burnout and also leverage burnouts they've gone through because it's it's such a prevalent issue that I don't think it's talked about nearly enough. And whenever I go and speak about it, I often have individuals say, I've almost gone out of business because of burnout. And that is what I want to prevent. So that is what I'm doing these days. And I'm really with you. It's such an important topic. And I sometimes, not just sometimes, quite often get two impressions. The first one is, let's not talk about it. It still has a negative connotation. You're just Mm -hmm. not resilient enough uh, and so on and so forth. There are certain prejudices that exist toward burnout. And the second thing I realized is not everybody recognizes it early enough. So I think that's also an interesting and important point to focus on in this conversation. What are those signs, especially as an entrepreneur, to recognize burnout? And I'm more than happy to share a few own experiences here as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it, it's it's funny. I, I think the first time a, an entrepreneur goes through burnout, they often don't realize they're going through burnout. And what I hear so frequently is they actually, on the other side, they realize they were burned out, but they did something to get out of it. But then once they go through it one time, they're they're more aware and attuned to what it looks like for them. And, you know, some of the signs are the ones we've all heard, you know, you're not sleeping well, you're, you're, you're either gaining or losing weight, you know, you don't feel well. I try to catch it before it gets into those physical signs. So one of the biggest signs that I see in business owners is that they have a hard time making decisions and taking action. So whereas a lot of business owners are more geared to be action oriented and you know they, they have a bias towards action, when you're approaching burnout, I find that some business owners struggle to make decisions and take action. And it may not be that they don't take any action. It just may be that, for example, it might take you longer to make a decision than it normally does, or it might take you longer to act on something than, you know, it would normally take you. And that's just one of those little tricky signs, I think, to pay attention to. Um, A lot of the times, the way that you know that's happening is when, your team or somebody you're working with has to ask you, you know, more than once or maybe more than twice in some in some cases for something from you for a decision about something. That's a good indication that maybe you're, you know, in that danger zone. You're not quite to burnout, but you're also not in your baseline 
range. That's one that I often look for um, right away. And I'll tell you a lot, a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that. Um, another one is usually if you're hearing from family or friends or even the people you work with, if they're saying something along the lines of, I miss how you used to show up or I miss you in certain scenarios or I just miss you, that's something to pay attention to. So a lot of the times I think it's hard for us to know, if, especially if we haven't gone through it before, what is you know normal for us. And when you, so I, I try to provide kind of signs and indications that you may be approaching burnout and not even know it because people around you will often tell you like you're working too much, you're tired, you're, you know, I never see you. Like one thing, my parents, the first time I burned out, I don't think I, my parents live 30 minutes away from me and I don't think I had seen them for four months, which is oh, wow. absolutely ridiculous. So, and I didn't even realize it until my mom said it to me. So those are just some things that you can look for. Um, if you don't know what it looks like for you, you can kind of look at some of those elements and get a feel for whether you're approaching it or not. Yeah. And and I'm going to add three that mm -hmm. um, I noticed in myself as a business owner. One is I hyperventilate with WhatsApp groups. So sometimes depending on what role you you have what business you own you are being invited to whatsapp groups i mm -hmm. said like to say yes being a people pleaser but also loving community and then i wake up in the morning and i have like 70 messages in there and i already have them in archive and yet mm -hmm. i look and i literally freak out and it stays on my mind and i have this constant inner tension of i need to leave those groups and just you know look after myself versus no, that looks bad. That looks bad. You can't. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two is I apologize to the most random people about why I don't do certain things in my business as other people might do who own similar businesses and add the addition to it of, but I'm not a lazy person. <laughs> and the people would usually feed back to me. That's the last thing I would have thought about you, knowing me, how much time and efforts I put into the business. Uh, so that's that's that one. And I become hyper distracted and my language doesn't work anymore and I need far more focus. So I operate mm -hmm. in two languages on a regular basis. It can change from hour to hour. And I realize my brain isn't working anymore. I can't speak clearly. That's for me a huge sign. Okay, you need a break, even if it's an mm -hmm. hour. And that's that's a really good point. One of the other signs I talk about is if you can't really form a cohesive or complete thought or sentence, if you're struggling with that. And listen, we all have our days where we're just yeah. off or our, even our week. Sometimes if we know it's a crazy week, like you might just have a crazy week, you know. But if you if you find that you're struggling with something like that for I would say two weeks or more, then you, you you know you really need to look at what's going on, what's going on. And another actually another one that I didn't share that is my personal one is I when people ask me how I'm doing, if I find myself having to qualify how busy I am. So if I if I say I'm busy or I've got you know a lot going on, okay. But if I start saying I'm good busy or I'm really busy working on great things or I, f I feel like I have to like qualify my busy 
Uh, that is actually an indicator for me that I am heading towards burnout because for some reason I'm getting defensive when people are asking me what's going on and I feel like I need to qualify it with good basically so and there's there's a few variations of how that shows up uh, for people but that's that's actually an indicator for me that I'm I'm edging towards burnout need to take a step back and, and look at things. Fascinating I've never heard of this one but I actually notice quite often that people use good oh. busy or challenging busy or some qualifiers as well. And sometimes sometimes you are just busy I mean mm -hmm. we're business owners I think tend to say yes to things uh, and sometimes find themselves overcommitted and sometimes if, if you're managing if you're managing the stress of it and you can see an end to that I think that that's where okay yeah you're busy but then if you're if you feel like you have to qualify it out loud to the person who's asking you might want to just explore that a little bit because in my experience, when people say I'm good to busy, it's like when I tell people I, I talk about burnout, almost the initial reaction is, but I'm not burnout. Like even, a, even after they had just finished telling me that they're working 16 hour days or they're sleeping at their office. When I say I'm a business owner, burnout strategist, a lot of the times there's this defensive mechanism that pops up with business owners who immediately will say like, I'm not burned out. And I, I never tell anybody they're burned out because I think it is something you have to be very personally attuned to. And it's different for everybody. You know, some mm -hmm. people can function just fine on six hours of sleep every single mm -hmm. night for their entire lives, adult lives. I am not that person. So sleep may not be an indicator for some people. So I never really tell people they're burned out, um, but it, it's, there's such a defensive response sometimes when I tell people what I do that it, that kind of goes along with that qualification of I'm good busy so many questions I want to just <laughs> ask about those last yeah. few sentences mm -hmm. however I want to go back for a moment because you already mentioned when I was burned out I didn't go to visit my parents who live 30 minutes away um so I also believe that everybody's place where they are right now has a history, has a story. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, what is your story with regards to burnout? How did you experience? When did you experience? How often? What did you take yeah. away from it? So as a as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, I have had two significant burnouts. The, the first was back in, I want to say 2016, maybe 2015, probably 2015. I had been in business for a little while and... Um, no, actually, sorry, it was earlier. That was 2013. I'd been in business five years. I remember this. And I had something happen in my body and ended up having to have surgery that took me out of commission for six weeks. And it was like a, it was just a slap in the face and a wake up call because I, I realized I had, I was working 16 hour days. I was the only one working. I didn't have anybody uh, working for me, even though I could have uh, hired somebody to come and work for me, which I ultimately did after that. So that that one, that was my first one. That was the one where everybody was like, you got to slow down, you're working too hard. And I was like, nah, I'm fine. I'm just good, busy. Everything's fine. You know, no, no big deal. And so that one, I I think I learned, I learned a lot. And I, I kind of came up, came up with some warning signs, um, some triggers, and some red flags. And Really, the big thing I took away from that one was know what normal and what 
burned out looks like and the space between the two that's a really big part of preventing burnout the second major burnout was in the summer of 2021 and once again i went to the emergency room for what i thought was a heart attack which was presenting like a heart attack uh but it was actually a panic attack and after that one that one was the one where i started looking for additional resources beyond you know beyond i'm a huge proponent of of therapy and uh all of that uh, getting support having support networks but i needed was looking for resources like beyond that and there was really nothing out there that was specifically for business owners it was for employees or for healthcare workers or for teachers or for doctors you know there was burnout content out there for just about every profession but there wasn't something for business owners and based on the first burnout that I went through and and what I had worked through and documented and then going through the second burnout, I basically documented my system and that was what became my book. So that, you know, the, the great thing that came out of my burnout is this book that I've written to help other business owners go through this process. And I've had smaller uh, brushes with burnout, for example, over the summer. Uh, and this is what I call. So I, when I talk about burnout, I separate it into two different types. There's chronic burnout and then there's acute burnout. And chronic burnout is that stuff that just builds up. It's the stuff that just comes from, you. You're, it's just, it's just like, it comes from how you operate day to day and you don't, it takes a while to, to burn out. And, and both of those, my major burnouts came from chronic burnout. But then there's also what I call acute burnout, which often comes from something that you don't see coming. For example, when your dad has three strokes over the summer and that I went through that the summer where, you know, when, when that type of thing happens, you just, everything kind of stops and you have, you have to uh, address it and you have to address your own, you know, your own feelings and emotions and, and your own exhaustion over going through something like that, as well as help your parents, help your help your father navigate that and work with your family. There was just a lot with, that came up with that. And so that was one of those things where a very specific instance in life caused me to burn out. But the one nice thing about acute burnout is you know what causes it. And, you know, usually you can recover from it. Um, a little bit more, more quickly. So that's, those are just some examples. And I still to this day, I mean, it's entrepreneurship's hard. And I think the reality is, is that every business owner will burn out at one point or another. And it's just, my whole thing is like, you've got a strategy for sales. You got a strategy for marketing. You got a strategy for cash flow. Why not have a strategy for burnout? Because it's one of those things that is most likely going to happen. So, you know, let's be prepared for it and have a plan to put into place. Just coming back to Mm -hmm. the story about your dad, three strokes in a row, Mm -hmm. which is really tough. And before we hit the record button, you told me what are the plans um, about your dad moving Mm -hmm. and relocating Mm -hmm. to a place that has less obstacles and so on Mm -hmm. and so forth. So it's not something that happens and then it's all good. Yeah, it is a continuation of events, mm-hmm. of concern, of worry, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder what did you need when the three stro- uh, strokes occurred, 
And what do you still need in order to remain cool and calm, so to say, not to fall <laughs> back into another burnout stage? Yeah. So what I needed in the moment that it happened, and it wasn't like three, bam, bam, bam. I mean, this started, it started happening in early May and he had a, there was a, a stroke in early May in late May and in late June. Uh, and then there was a hospital stay that had, was not a stroke that was pneumonia. So there were like a lot, there were a lot of things going on there in the moment. And I, I mean, I knew I've literally written the book on it. So I knew I was like, this, this, this could cause burnout for me. Like, this is probably going to make me burn out. And I just, the first thing I did was I, I cleared my calendar for at least the weeks that that happened. I cleared most of my calendars because I knew that I was either going to need that time to, you know, deal with the administrative and just the stuff, the phone calls and the emails and the making sure you're at the hospital 8 a.m. to see the doctor, like that type of thing. I knew I was going to need the capacity to do that. So the first thing I did each time was clear as much as my schedule as I could. But the other thing that I made sure to do was keep my own doctor's appointments on the schedule. So I was going to uh, physical therapy at the time and I made sure that I maintained that appointment because I knew that was something, a burnout trigger or a burnout red flag of mine is if I start canceling doctor's appointments because life feels too hectic. So I made it a priority to keep those on the calendar for myself. And that's been something that has continued throughout this time of, you know, my, my parents are going through a pretty massive transition. They're moving from a home to a condo. So that's, you know, downsizing, sentimental, you know, emotional. There's all kinds of things that we're, we're managing through that. Um, and really the other thing that uh, I've made sure so after after the initial kind of oh my gosh my dad is having strokes and the other thing was that i made sure that i was sleeping like i prioritized my sleep pretty highly on the list of things to get to make sure i was doing because i know that if i don't get enough sleep like that's just that's not going to end well uh, i'm either going to get sick or burn out or both so i was i made sure to prioritize my sleep during that time and make sure i was getting like healthy sleep hygiene and very healthy sleep habits and then, you know, once we got through like the acute period of being in hospitals and rehab facilities, then, and then we went into the kind of period of, hey, we're going to get this house ready to sell and we're going to sell this house and deal with all of that. I relied on my support network. So my sister, I'm very thankful that my sister is in town here as well, where I live. So she's been able to be very there with them for things that I haven't been able to make it to. My partner's been very helpful. My brother has come in from out of state to he's he's really good with uh, he's a contractor. So he was able to do a lot of things around the house that needed done to get it ready for, to sell. So really the extended version, the extended disco version of all of this is uh, I, I rely on my support at work and I don't shy away from telling people what is happening. I mean, I don't like, you know, tell people to have people feel sorry for me, but I, and Kathleen, I think we, I think we had canceled an interview because it was, you know, there was something going on with my dad and mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going on. And I, I just, I have no problem saying my dad is either having or might be having a stroke mm -hmm. right now. So I got to go deal with that. 
Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't shy away from that. Cause some people, some people are very private and I understand that, but for me saying out loud makes it real. So, and if it's real, then it's something that I have to address and be aware of and deal with my own, you know, my own stuff about it, my own feelings and emotions about it. So I think part of that is just the awareness of this thing is happening that might cause me to go into burnout. So saying it as weird as that sounds, just saying that out loud to people who were being impacted by my by me being impacted by it uh, helped a lot and helped manage through uh, through that time. And I do remember so well when I read your email saying I can't do this conversation today or whenever it was my dad I think my dad had another stroke Mm -hmm. and my reaction was she sent me a message when this happened and I think I said it to you in the following conversation I said there are people who just don't say anything they they just don't show up Mm -hmm. which happens rarely I have to say Mm -hmm. um and you experienced that and you still sent me a message and I was like in disbelief about it even when those things are happening i still i i so no showing and and that type of thing is one of my probably one of my biggest pet peeves when somebody no shows on me so even when i am in the middle of a crisis like that i still try to send the person an email at least to say i will not be there this thing is happening so yes that's one of my see now that's one of those things that would have bothered me and would have been on my mind so that was actually me protecting myself from burning out because i mm-hmm. would have been stressed out about it had i no showed on you so that mm-hmm. was that was actually more about me and like you know dealing with that feeling of i just i don't want to be that that person and letting you know what was going on and, and why it was happening and and that we would reschedule so that that that's actually one of those things that um that keeps you me from burning out because when those types of things happen, you need as much mental capacity, as much, you know, emotional and and brain capacity as you can possibly have. And having that like, oh man, I didn't email Kathleen. I didn't tell Kathleen. Like in my in the background would have, thing. would have stressed me out, yeah. you know? So I wanted to go ahead and get that email out. Like literally while I was running out the door to go to the hospital. And well, I appreciated it as to whether <laughs> yeah. it was for you or for me, it doesn't matter. I really appreciated it. At the same time, you mentioned something in between. You looked after your sleep, mm-hmm. right? That you get your amount of hours that you require and you have quality sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't mention the quality. I added that just now. But I was thinking in this moment, when I have some events happening that have a real emotional impact on me. Man, sleeping is the last thing that works. And I am yeah. someone who says, I want to have at least seven and a half hours, if not eight hours a night. Mm-hmm. I'm regimented about it. Mm-hmm. Um, melatonin, all of that, or mm-hmm. nice tea goes into my body an hour yeah. before, and so on and so forth. When I'm emotionally impacted or I have a lot on my mind, this goes literally down the drain. Yeah. Seriously. Mm-hmm. And... I follow everything from two hours before bedtimes, which off blue light, i.e. not look at your phone and all of this nice stuff, do something that's Mm -hmm. calming, get fresh air, all the beautiful stuff you can Mm -hmm. read in magazines. Mm -hmm. And yet I will struggle still in an event like this. So how do you manage to get that sleep? 
there's a couple of things. One, I have a very, so just in general, in general, I have a very defined sleep hygiene regimen that I go through. So, and it starts about an hour before bed and I, I actually take a shower at night and, and there, I have like a whole thing that I go through. So keeping that no matter what's going on is crucial. Like I cannot, I, I have to do those steps because then I won't sleep. So I think establishing a sleep hygiene routine and then keeping it in these times is just absolutely essential. Um, the other thing that I do when I'm struggling with it, because yeah, I mean, it's sometimes it's hard to wind your brain down when all of this is going on. So in addition to everything that you've just said, one thing that I will do is I keep a, I do keep a journal in, in the bedroom. And when I'm like, when my mind is racing, if it's just not shutting down, I'll write everything down. And it's shocking how much that actually helps, but it, it, it helps me fall asleep. Uh, the other thing is, is that I don't just lay in bed and wait to go to sleep. So if I lay down and I am not falling asleep by like 15 to 25 minutes in there, I will get up and go into another room and read in that room until I feel myself start to get sleepy. So I try not to watch TV. Sometimes I watch TV. Sometimes actually watching TV for me helps me fall asleep. But, you know, the blue light thing, I try not to do that. But I think the overall advice is like have a, have a regular sleep hygiene routine that you go through and then have a handful of additional things that you do when you're experiencing times of stress. And and listen, Kathleen, I am not a doctor. I'm not somebody, <laughs> I'm not a psychologist, but I will take a medication to help me sleep if I'm not sleeping. So if I go, let's say I went like three or four nights and I was just like not sleeping, I have a prescription medication that I will take to just try to get me back into that routine of sleeping. And I'm not ashamed to take it. Some people do not want to go that route. Totally respect that. But for me, I know like if I'm three or four days in and I'm not getting sleep, I'm, I've got to do something, something, you know, pretty heavy duty to help, help get me back into that, that sleeping pattern. And the other one big thing that I've actually learned that has become part of my sleep routine is that I don't, I rarely drink alcohol. I found that if I had anything to drink after like 3 PM, which, you know, during the work, I mean, I don't know, I don't go out drinking at 3 PM in the afternoon, but if I have even one, like even one beer will mess up my sleep for that entire night. So I basically, I mean, with the occasional once in a while, like I, I really cut drinking out completely because it was messing up my sleep. So I think you just have to know yourself And mm. the best thing I can say is you got to establish that regular sleep hygiene and then have a few extra things you pull out of your toolbox when you're experiencing those times of, of stress and, you know, it takes, it, it takes a while to figure out what those things are. I mean, there's a bunch of ideas. You said a few of them and, and so did I, but I think having a few things that you, that have worked in the past for you or, you know, trying a few new things if you've never, you know, tried them before and just having those ready to go when, when it's a little bit harder is, is yeah. really important. Yeah, I agree. And sleep is for me to make or break component. Mm-hmm. I'm totally with you. And and also I cut down um drinking significantly. I haven't drunk now for three months. Mm-hmm. Not because of something specific. I just wanted to see if I gain a little bit more energy, you know, when yeah. I noticed okay, my energy levels go down pretty swiftly and mm-hmm. I need it. 
Yeah. And it made a huge difference. But am I saying no, never drink again? Absolutely not. You will not mm-hmm. notice that with me. But yeah. um uh yeah, I had the same since becoming a mom in my case as well. I mean, apart from the fact that you will get sleep deprived more. But I'm not operating on the same level anymore if I had two glasses of wine in the mm-hmm. evening. I feel it right away. Yeah, the next day you're just yeah, and I'm talking like one or two drinks. I'm not talking, mm-hmm. I'm not talking we're going out and getting, you know, needing assistance getting home type of drinking i'm talking like social one maybe two drinks that was messing my sleep up so badly that i just i cut it out because it wasn't for me it wasn't worth it it was like you know maybe i'll go out on a weekend when uh, you know i'm not too i can catch up on sleep or you know maybe i'll go to a luncheon with you know from time to time and have it have a have a beer but yeah overall it's just for me it's not worth it now some people don't have that same experience but that's just something that I noticed in my own in my own world so I think it's important also you know some some people one thing that also I I have to be aware of is not exercising too late at night and honestly the other thing is I have to stop drinking any caffeine after before noon I mean you know, the, all the medical experts say like 10 hours before you go to sleep. But for me, it's like it's noon. If I drink caffeine afternoon, I'm going to have a harder time going to sleep that night. So just yeah. like those things you have to learn about yourself. So the best thing you can do is just be aware of them yeah. and, you know, work them into your regular routine. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm with you on so many points. And the main one I want to stress again is you've got to figure out what works and what doesn't work for you. Full stop. And just, just quote unquote, pay more attention. Perhaps you need a bit more me time in between and need to take yourself out and give yourself a bit of space and coming back to your point again, asking for help. That's really important. Uh, Listen to it and not to ignore this key. There are a couple of things that when people ask me how to prevent burnout altogether, it's hard to just give like, this is the this is the answer <laughs> but one of the things that i often say is i think it's so crucial is that you have a support network in both business and personal and that might be just one other person it might be like in business it could be a key employee it could be a business partner it could be a coach a business coach it might be you know a key contractor somebody that or or just your network in general like somebody that you could for example, I had a speaking engagement over the when all this was happening with my dad that I I couldn't I could not go to and I felt horrible about it, but I was able to reach out to my network and say I have the speaking engagement, this is the topic, can anybody would anybody be interested in taking my place? And so somebody I was able to get somebody to take my place at that speaking engagement. And so that's an example of, you know, having that support network. And then in the personal side, you know, you got your partner, your, your family, your best friend, and then even, you know, even people that you might hire, like babysitters or caregivers or heck, even somebody to walk the dog, you know, like those, those types of support group elements are so, so crucial, even on the best day as a business owner, those groups are so crucial. So my advice is if you don't have that, that's that's the thing that I think you really want to focus on setting up. And you just start with one person in each category. Start with one person in business and one person in the personal category. 
And, you know, you can build it out from there, but making sure you have at least just one other person that you can at least just talk to about what's going on, even if they can't necessarily help you, like even if they can't just take the thing from you and run with it, they may be able to figure out a resource for you or they may have have experience in it. That that support network is the one thing that I think if, if you twisted my arm and asked me, like, what's the solve for burnout, that that would be it. The secret to that is, though, you, business owner, have to be vulnerable enough to ask for help when you need it, which is something that I think a lot of business owners struggle with is being vulnerable enough to say, you know, I'm really overwhelmed or I'm really stressed out or, you know, I'm burned out. Can you help me look at this look at this thing that I'm dealing with and and see if you see something I'm not seeing or can you can you fill in at a speaking engagement for me or can you you know, can you cook dinner for the next month? Because OMG, I can't, I can't right now. You know, those are the types of things that I think business owners struggle with vulnerability because more than once I have heard, why would I want to admit I'm burned out because burnout equals failure? And that is so far from the truth that it hurt. It pains me when business owners think that admitting that they're burned out means that they failed. Cause that's like, some of your best breakthroughs and some of your biggest successes are going to come after you after your burnout. You just have to get through the burnout. So that's a whole nother package we could unwrap if you want to. I, I totally want to. And it leads me nicely back to uh, when I say to people, I'm a burnout strategist. Yeah. How some of them react in terms of, well, but, but not that I'm burned out, right? This mm-hmm. immediate sometimes denial, sometimes justification, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, And I did wonder in that moment, why is that? Why do we, or some of us, immediately have this need to explain ourselves and to justify ourselves? Why is it that for some people it means failure? I think there's a lot of reasons. I think that burnout, for some of them, I don't think they have a really solid definition of what burnout is. Um, They don't have an understanding of, you know, they just, maybe they've never gone through it before. Business owners that have been in business for 10 plus years, when I ask them if they've gone through burnout, a lot of the times they'll laugh and say, yeah, multiple times. Let me tell you about this time I went through it. They'll give me the story. But when they're actually in it, there's this justification of, and for me, they say it because, you know, a lot of times they're like, I don't, basically don't, don't sell to me, which... (laughs) I I tell them, I was like, listen, working with somebody who's in active burnout is probably the hardest to do a lot of the times because they don't realize it or they don't want to accept it. So they got to got to come to that acceptance on their own. So, yeah, I mean, if you're either after before burnout or after, so we this will be fine. So it's kind of funny to watch kind of how they react to that. Sometimes they're like, wait, maybe I am burned out, though. Um, But anyways, that's a whole different story. But I think that they just, there's a, there's a failure. So we go into business. The one thing I think I, I see kind of across business owners is that a lot of us go into business to, to prove something, mm-hmm. whether it's like to prove that we can do it, to prove our idea is valid. And we might just be proving it to ourselves. I mean, some of us want to prove things to other people, but a lot of the times it's to prove it to ourselves that, you know, we can do something of significance, or we can do this thing called business. We can be entrepreneurs. A lot of the times we've had people tell us that it's too hard or, you know, it's not the best path for us. Or, I mean, I have ADHD. So trust me, like I heard, I've heard 
are you going to be focused enough to do that? Well, you know, yeah, sometimes I struggle with it, but I build in, you know, resources and things to make sure that I stay on track. So a lot of the times business owners have been told that's really hard. Why would you want to do that? Why not just, you know, take it easy? Why not, you know, or are you good enough to do that? Even if it's our own selves saying that to us, to ourselves, even if we're having that imposter syndrome where we think we're not good enough or we don't think we're smart enough. And I think that that's at that core of that defensive mechanism, because when somebody finally admits that they're burned out, there may be, they may feel like they're failing in business. They may feel like maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. And the other part of this, Kathleen, that is really interesting is there's this sentiment about business ownership. And I've heard this said to, like, I have had people say this to me who are not business owners well, this is the path you've chosen. Almost like, well, you decided to be a business owner, so you deserve this level of stress or this level of like burnout. Like this is, you know, you you raised your hand to do this, so it's on you to figure it out or it's on you to deal with, which, yes, it is going to be on you to deal with, but just because you're a business owner doesn't mean you deserve to burn out, doesn't mean you deserve to have a really hard, stressful time all the time. So I think those are the two things that one, we're usually doing it to prove something to somebody, even if it's ourselves. And two, we're also told like, well, you, you kind of picked this path. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of your bed to lay in basically. And that thinking does not like, that's where I think this defensive thing comes from when people say I'm not burned out is that they don't want to be, they don't want to, you know, basically prove those things right i guess um and i i think there are alternative ways and different ways to look at both of those that you know just again even though you're a business owner it doesn't mean that you have to have this hard stressful you know life where you're constantly burned out that that it doesn't have to be that way just because you picked that path so i think those are the two reasons people get defensive about it is they think that there's they are out to prove something a lot of the times and they also don't want to accept that what somebody else has kind of said to them, which is, well, you kind of picked this path. So, you know, you got to deal with it. Today's podcast is sponsored by Inner Professional Online Training Programs. With courses geared specifically for legendary leaders, Inner Professional provides an extraordinary catalog of leadership and professional development programs unlike any online training you've experienced before. Hone your conscious and authentic leadership skills with peer group, networking communities, direct engagement with life experts, and a wealth of compelling, easy to engage on demand content. Learn more at kathleenmerkel.com slash inner professional. And there are two more that came to my mind, but these are purely assumptions. Um, It is about kind of proving something indeed, but it's also, I don't know how to phrase it. But proving that you can do it all, basically. What am I trying to say by that? You have started something to live a different life. You want to prove, obviously, that you can live that life that you have envisaged. Mm -hmm. You know that from time to time, depending on the business you choose and so on and so forth, your experience and much, much more, you know that it might take some time to get to the point that gives you the freedom you wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. 
And now you might be very kind of security led. Security mm-hmm. is the point that I'm actually trying to make, yeah. where you say, actually, I'm where I wanted to be, but what if things change? Yeah. What if we have another COVID? What if that? And what if this? Mm-hmm. So I need to make sure I stay there and I'm preparing for the future. And you find yourself in this huge kind of downward spiral of mm-hmm. when is enough ever going to be enough? When will mm-hmm. you feel secure? Yeah. Which is a challenge anyway as a business owner because you take risks. Yeah, <laughs> if you are I mean, yeah we're, we're risk. Generally speaking, we are risk takers and we're often very purpose um, we're very purpose driven. We we usually start a business for something that is very core to our being, whether it be, I want to start a business so that I can have more time with family, or I want to start a business because I want to help as many small business owners as I can, or, you know, whatever. I want to start a business that gives back X number of dollars every year to, you know, cancer research. Like, and there's, there's always a reason that's driving that for the founder, for the visionary. And so I think there's part of it is admitting burnout. I, for some might feel like they have to give up on that purpose, which is, which is a hard pill to swallow, but with the security piece of it. Yeah. It's, it really, I, I always make the argument that I think I almost always say, I think that um, business ownership is, is an entrepreneurship is one of the more, uh, stable careers you can pick because you do have, I think you have a lot more control over, you know, what you do, how you do it. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not easy. Like it's business ownership is tough, but I see other, I see people who work at an employer. I mean, I've, I've known people who have worked at an employer for 20 years and then they, they lose their job and they're like, what do I even do? Like, I don't even know what to do. And I, I talk. I mean, I'm often one that talk with these people and I'm like, well, have you thought about maybe being a consultant until you do get another job? Like keep looking, look for another job, but maybe you could do some consulting work while you're doing that. And they don't even understand like how much knowledge they have that, you know, the, the world needs and, and will likely buy, you know, with business owners, depending on what you're doing, I mean, you don't have just one employer, you have yeah, every client, if you're a B2B business or even a B2C, like every customer or client, you could kind of look at as your employer. So kind of diversifying where your income comes from. And I mean, that's what, you know, that's like financial stability 101 is diversify your income. So I I have this contrarian view about business ownership being really one of the more stable career paths. Not saying it's easy by any means, but there there are times it's easier than others. And I think that um, that, you know, when is enough enough that you mentioned, that is that uh, I always tell people you've got to have at least one way you define success that has nothing to do with money or material items. You cannot solely define success by achieving goals, by achieving, you know, a certain dollar amount in your bank account or a certain, you know, car you're driving or a certain vacation you get to take. Like these are all, don't get me wrong. They're, they're, I'm, I love me some goals, but if that is the only way you define success for yourself is by achieving those goals, you'll never feel successful because every time you achieve a goal, 
almost almost the very next day the question is okay what's next so with i've seen that too with business owners that uh when they achieve something even if it's something huge a lot of the times they'll ask themselves well what's what's the next thing that i'm doing and if you're constantly asking yourself what's next if that's how you're defining achievement or how you're defining success you're never going to feel successful so i always to kind of get out of that spiral and that out of worrying about what's the next COVID and what's, you know, what if COVID happens again, or what if this happens again, what if that happens again? I think the, one of the anecdotes to that is define success outside of, outside of your business, if you can, like outside of money, outside of material possessions, outside of your business. So for example, for me, it's, you know, am I success for me looks like I'm laughing with my wife every single day. Like we're laughing about something, you know, that's, that's, that's an example of success for me. Another example is I can volunteer in my local community with like a, with a non-business or with an organization that has nothing to do with business ownership. So those are two things that I look at my life and say, I feel pretty successful today because those two things happened no matter what's going on in my business. And I think that's part of the anecdote to that, you know, kind of that spin of when will I feel stable? I think that stability is one of those things that, I mean, obviously I think most people know, like I need X dollars a month to live or, you know, pay the bills. And I want six months of that in the bank account or 12 months of that, whatever it is, whatever your numbers are, whatever you feel comfortable with. Some of us is like, I want one month and I feel good. But getting outside of that is how I always encourage people to, to, to define success for themselves. Cause if that's like the only way you define success, I think you're going to be more likely to burn out as well. Yeah, absolutely. You're constantly then striving for more and you don't stop and you don't feel content and fulfilled. Mm -hmm. That's the key as well. You're losing the passion and the joy in what you're doing. There was another point, though, that is an assumption of mine that might lead us a little bit to the outsourcing and delegation topic. Mm -hmm. And that is the amount of ads that I at least see online on social media about I only invest one maximum two hours a day in my work and I get at least 100k dollars every quarter out of my business so there is a promise almost being made to people that it's so easy to be done you can all be millionaires in no time and you live the life of your dreams traveling around having time for the family all the lovely stuff that you mentioned um and it's so easy to be done now i'm not saying this isn't uh, possible to be done i have no idea i haven't figured that mm -hmm. out yet mm -hmm. but i'm saying there are certain sometimes misleading ads out there that people will fall for that will heighten their expectations. And we feel, I'm not saying we in this case, because mm -hmm. I haven't tried it yet, but people may feel very quickly like a failure because it doesn't quite work for them that way. Yeah. We have a problem with that in the society. And it's, it's, it's not just, you know, when you're a business owner and you see the online ads on Facebook or Instagram or wherever you hang out online about, how to become a, how to scale your agency or how to become a six figure or whatever, or seven figure or whatever. And it's so simple. And all you have to do is A, B, C, and D, and then it's done. Uh, I will say that I have, I have taken some of those classes because mainly because I'm curious. And a lot of the times 
they a lot of the times they are the the people who are promoting those classes if you look at what they've actually done it, it's taken them much longer to build and it was really it, a lot of it came down to relationships a lot of it came down to building relationships with people whether that was one-to-one or one-to-many you know speaking events and that type of thing and it's not just i did a b c and d it's and and a lot of those you know frameworks are fantastic frameworks to help you you know if you want for example if you want to you know start an online course if you have all this knowledge you want to start start an online course i think that's a fantastic way to diversify your income and to you know maybe offer like if you're a coach that might be a great way to offer something that people who can't necessarily invest in your coaching level services right now but it's still a way for you to serve them but the thing is is that you don't just build it and then all of a sudden it works and there's this one email newsletter that i freaking love it's called growth in reverse and it it basically documents how people and she really focuses on email newsletters and their growth and then how that has actually helped the person who grew the newsletter grow a business out of it and in, inevitably all of her graphs so she talks she goes and she looks and she guesses like how much all of these um how much all of these individuals are how how quickly they grew and what was the tipping point and all of the graphs are like the they're all hockey sticks so they're all like level 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 or maybe going up a little bit and then they hit some type of inflection point and then they shoot up like that and i feel like what when we're online and we're seeing those ads this point is what we're buying but what we're missing is that level like kind of and sometimes you feel like you're plateauing it goes up and down a little bit but then there's this inflection point and it shoots up and that is the part that i think that i think that's what gets sold online but what they miss is this whole build and you don't i mean i just i don't know very many people who have started a business and had it just exponentially take off after you know six months um i I don't i don't know if i know i'm I'm trying to think through my (laughs) i don't think i know any story specifically like that it was just this crazy from the start you know uphill swing i was even i was reading something uh the founder of spanx had written last night on linkedin and she was talking about how the first year was just a slog and the only way she could advertise was by wearing a black t-shirt that had Spanx written on it. That was how she advertised. So, you know, that it might be a year, it might be two years, but I think that that growth in reverse newsletter, the one thing that it's, it's just constantly just this and then this. <laughs> and, and what we miss, I think, is what we're being sold online is that inflection point and then the exponential growth after it. We're not seeing the, you know, two, three, four, seven, eight, nine years that somebody spent figuring it out before it got exponential before we hit exponential growth and it's you know we see it with influencers um where they're just showing this life that is everybody wants this life but is it you know you don't see the dirty the behind the scenes the nitty-gritty of what the influencers actually having to do to get that life to get that perfect photo on instagram So I really appreciate when people share kind of the whole story and say, you know, I struggled for 10 years and then I figured it out. 
um, instead of it's so easy. It'll only take you three months. Yeah. Like, and then you'll be making six figures. And there are people who do that, but I'm telling you, the people, even the people who do that, because I've talked to some of the people who have launched courses, had or launched a program online, had this like really massive success. They hit a plateau as well. And it's not, I don't even think it's a plateau. I think it's just they're on a gradual, like they they had a spike and then they're back to that gradual incline until they hit that next inflection point. It's just it's very interesting when we are, when we're bombarded by that on social media. If you are doing anything and, well, I don't know. I mean, if you're a business owner, you're getting targeted on social media through ads that guarantee like overnight success. And I don't know very many, I don't think I know any business owners who I would say were overnight successes. Yeah. So and I've been doing it for 15 years and ta- I've talked to a lot of business owners. You know, you got to take all that with a grain of salt, I think. And it's kind of your speciality. You owned a business in uh, a marketing space uh, or digital agency yeah. space. <laughs> so um, you are definitely someone who would have to finger on the pulse there. And I have to say, I know a few entrepreneurs that have been immensely successful mm-hmm. in the space. But as mm-hmm. you said, certainly not overnight. Yeah. It takes, I mean, it's just, you, you get out what you put in. That is, I I think that is the truest advice or that mentality is you're going to get out what you put into something. And I would guess that the people who do have very fast success and very fast might mean it took a year, probably worked really, 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 really hard. I mean, they were probably working very long days to get there and it just, you know, it doesn't, it does not just happen. And I think that that's my biggest problem with, with the ads that I see. And I, I'm the worst. Like I will pick, I will pick an ad apart. I will, I don't call, I don't comment publicly about it, but I just look at it and say, uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Like I just, I don't believe any of them. So I don't know, like, hopefully you're not showing your ads to me because it's wasted money. But I, <laughs> I know I'm just fascinated by all of that because I know, I mean, I even see some people that I've actually talked to advertising and I know the real story and I'm like, oh no, no, that's not tell your real story. Your real story is so much better than the story that you're telling right here. Oh, well, that's BS. If they don't even tell a completely different story. Well, they're telling the story from the inflection point though. Like it's not, Uh, it's not a, it's not a, it's a true story. Yeah. It's a true story. They're just they're just, just not the telling story. this part of it. They're telling the part of the the part where after they figured it all out, and they're like, "Here, I figured it all out, and I'm giving it to you." But what they don't understand, what I don't think people who do that understand, is that you know you you have not figured it all out for somebody else. Like everybody has their own path. Everybody has their own journey, and just if you were telling it's it's much it comes back to like why I don't tell people they're burned out or not like you have to figure sometimes there are things you have to figure out for yourself and that's what that time is for and so that's why it it frustrates me when I see people because I know I'm like yeah you're just selling the inflection point you're not selling the whole picture of what really happened and honestly I think there's I think there's way more value in shortening this part over here teaching people how to shorten this than teaching people how to expect to go from, you know, zero to a hundred in three months. I think teaching people how to go from zero to one in six months instead of, you know, 24 months is, is way more valuable. 
And I'm pretty sure there are ways to make our lives easier and to get help, professional help as well, in order to focus our energy and our skills in the right area, in order to feel less exhausted and to use the skills of others. Now, I am complete hit and miss, and I think I shared that with you previously when it comes to outsourcing, in particular on outsourcing platforms, because I've had some really, really shitty experiences with mm-hmm. it, I have to admit. Yeah. Yet, I'm still open to try, and I'm still trying, but you specialize in it, and I find mm-hmm. that intriguing. You will help other people outsource more effectively. So tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I I am a big user of Upwork. I love Upwork. Uh, I have found some really amazing uh, professionals there. What I think people get wrong a lot of the time is when they have challenges. Now, sometimes, sometimes there are there are crappy, you know, freelancers. I mean, there's there's just not good contractors, freelancers, uh, employees everywhere. So you don't you do have to be choosy with who you pick. But I think where people probably go wrong is that when you um when you outsource something on upwork that person because that person is a part of your team even if it's for a short period of time so whatever onboarding process you would typically put somebody through as an employee or as a part-time employee or a contractor uh you want to use that same process on upwork so i think that's i think that's honestly the hack is that the the first week now if they're just if they're just doing like a one-off project for you that that's a little bit of a different story but you still want to give them some like context about what they're doing why they're doing it you know about you a little bit or about your company you want to make them feel like part of the team no matter if it's a one-off short-term project or if they're going to work longer term for you for example i have two people actually three people that i work regularly with on upwork and i two of them i meet well two of them I meet with every other week, like I would in a staff meeting with employees. So, but when they first started working with me, the first week they worked with me, we met every single day that week, even though, you know, there was a pretty big time difference. We met every day that week and I onboarded them. Like the first day was all about making sure they had the technology, right? Making sure they had the tools they needed, answering any questions. And then also making sure they understood the mission and the vision of the company. And then, you know, day two, three, four or five were about getting work done and like immediate feedback loops. So I think that if you're going to bring on somebody, for example, virtual assistants are often the people who are hired a lot and, you know, it it can be hit, hit or miss with them. But I think if you bring them on, because the intention behind a virtual assistant is that they're going to be part of your team, I mean, 10 hours a week, you know, 20 hours a week, five hours a week, whatever it is you hope to have somebody who's going to work with you consistently. So I think for that specific type of job, you got to onboard them like you would onboard an employee. And that does a couple of things. One, it makes them more excited about working with you because they don't get that experience anywhere else. They don't really get that experience from most other people who are hiring them. And then the other thing it does is it helps you figure out pretty quickly if it's going to work out or not. So I, I do some things even before that. Like I like to... When I post, for example, when I post a job on Upwork, I like to hire two to three people to do a similar job. And I I give them what I call test tasks or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's basically like I'm testing out, testing them out to see what kind of work they can produce before I go into fully integrating them into my system. So I'll do that and then I'll pick, you know, my favorite out of the three 
And then that will be the person that I actually walk through an onboarding system with. If it's a project task, like I've got a person working for me right now who's doing graphic design and I haven't walked him through the whole onboarding thing because those are just like more one-off tasks. But, uh, but even then, I mean, he understands more about, you know, the mission, the vision, the brand. It's just, it's really important that you treat those individuals like you would treat an employee coming on. If you want that, if you want that structure to work out for you, you have to kind of look at them like, these are my team. This is my team. Employee, contractor, doesn't matter where they are. They're your team. So you got to treat them as such. And and I fully agree with you. Now, there's also, it, it also counts the other way around. You mm-hmm. want people to join you who will treat you like they are in a in an employment they mm-hmm. are loyal to an organization they want to give their best because there are promotion opportunities yeah. learning property opportunities whatever it is yeah. and i sometimes get the impression that people see it as a one-off and that's it even though you have given the briefing and opportunities for the future and whatnot mm-hmm. and i wonder what are the i don't know top two or three signs to watch out for in order to recognize, is it someone who would really love to work continuously with somebody? Yeah, I mean, and that I think you weed that out in the in the the testing, the test task, because you just tell them, you're like, look, this is the process. One, you're going to do. I'm going to have you do a couple of tasks. I'm going to see how you perform, and if that works, then over the then I'll bring you on as a regular part of the team. And that what that looks like is you've got to. You know, and it might be four days a week. You know, it might be the for the first month, we're going to meet every single day, or you know, for the first two weeks, we're going to meet every day for thirty minutes, and then you know, after that, it'll go to every other day, and then after that, it'll be every other week. But I think setting that expectation up front, because yeah, I mean, I've had people where I they had made the short list, and when I told them what the process was, they were like, "I'm not interested in that. I'm not going to like. I can't work on somebody else's schedule." I was like, well, you're not going to work out here. So that, like, I think asking those, like laying that structure out up front, because most likely you're going to have, I mean, for, for a lot of the Upwork or Upwork tasks you post or jobs you post, I mean, you might have, you know, 25 really qualified people submit. So you, you might have to pick you know, five out of those. And then you, and then you have that conversation with them before you even hire them and saying, and tell them what's ha- going to happen. You know, we're going to do this, this job post is for a test task. And then after that, the expectation is if you do come on board, we will meet once a day for those first two weeks. And then after that, we will continue to meet on a regular basis. It might be once a week and then eventually it might get to every other week, but that right, that right there often weeds them out, uh, the people who don't want to do that. Or, and, and you know, it's not, I mean, some, there are some things on Upwork where if you don't need them to do that, graphic design, I don't, that's, I'm just, that's the one I'm working on right now. Like, I don't need my graphic designer to constantly be like on the the team, even though he's, you know, he is on the team, but he's not like in my Slack channel or anything like that. But the people who are going to work, I'm going to work with regularly, they are expected to go through that system. And then I put them into Slack with me and we communicate on Slack regularly, usually on a daily basis. So I think 
if you tell the person up front, like this is the expectation, what I have found at least is they self-select out the ones that aren't interested in that. It's not even about the, you know, promotional or being promoted opportunities. What you need to know is, is this person going to at least be able to meet with me weekly? And are they going to be willing to be on Slack with me? And, you know, then you have that that first week or two, you can usually tell pretty quickly if somebody's going to work out or not. So that that's just how I approach it. Um, and that's how I, you know, recommend other people approach. Because you just, the last thing you want to do is put a job out there, hire for it, and then just send the person a bunch of stuff and just expect them to send the person a bunch of work and just expect them to get it. Uh, that's just, yeah, it's just not how it works. Like they need, they need the systems and process just as much as, you know, a, a part-time employee would need. Uh, so you gotta, you know, pro- provide that to them as well. And I think it's really important to highlight also in the context of burnout that those first weeks require more time investment as it would be in any other organization as well with, as you said, new hires. Yeah. But it's an investment. It usually comes back to you. It's, and you save I, I, I tell you what, I don't think hiring a new person is ever the cure for burnout. I it, And that's a really hard one because sometimes you need to hire a, somebody. But if it's if you are the person that is hiring, training, doing that onboarding, because, because some business owners have somebody they can do can they can they might have a key employee they might have a project manager already on the team that could do that role for them but if you're the one that's doing it if you're the one that has to lead that charge that is going to cause more burnout so usually to those business owners what i recommend them do is we we got to look at your we have to look at what you have going on every single day what and what initiatives usually it's it's you have these bigger initiatives that you're working on and sometimes we have to pause those initiatives to deal with burnout before we can pick those initiatives back up again. So, I mean, it could be things like getting a new website designed or moving office locations or selling an office. Or, uh, I mean, one that I just worked through was mer- a merger with another company. The business owner was too burned out to handle that. So we actually, we paused that. I mean, not for very long, but we just like took the pressure off of that for a month. So that the business owner could get better prepared for everything else that was coming and set up the systems and the process and the new systems and process that needed to be put into place before the merger actually happened. So hiring people is that's I always tell business owners, I think people in process are the two things where I where burnout is caused in your business and hiring a new person is really hard to it's usually not the immediate solve for burnout unless you can have somebody else help you with that process if you have somebody else on your team that can help with that process then it might be a solve but that's a tough one for somebody who is burned out is to say okay and now i'm going to hire somebody because unfortunately what happens in that situation is you don't you don't really delegate and lead I think you tend to abdicate. You tend to just kind of, that's when you do just kind of shove everything over to the new person, say, here, go figure it out. I got to wash my hands of it. And that's, that's not going to be, you're just not going to set that person up for success in your organization. 
loads of food for thought. So in this case, you have the choice to get a new person on board, going through the hiring, onboarding process, or to keep saying, no, I'd rather do it myself. I don't have time for it. Either way, you're going to be exhausted. Yeah, it's 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 a tough, I mean, onboarding, onboarding is, I think we in general, leaders in general, managers in general, business owners in general, uh, underestimate how much time we actually need to give our people. I think that we, our people often need probably a lot more time from us than we actually set aside. I'm going to say at least 50%. Like if you have a team and you're the head, you're like the project manager of that team, which a lot of business owners are, you're, you're going to be spending a good bit of time, especially when they're new working with your team. So the answer is not, let's just add this on top of a pile of stuff already. The answer is what, what can I pause? It's not stop, but what can I pause so that I can, it's, it's, you're building an infrastructure at that point. So it's like, what can you pause to build the infrastructure you need to build in order to continue to grow? Yeah. Stop, pause, continue, right? <laughs> These are the questions mm-hmm. to really go through and to analyze in between. And that requires you to pause anyway mm-hmm. and to reflect and to review. It's important. I have two more curiosities or two more things that I'm curious about. And I would like you to talk about you for just a moment, at least, mm-hmm. because we we already talked about how to recognize and notice burnout, few steps people can take to deal with it when it happens as well. What I would like to ask you is, what happens if we keep ignoring it? What are those big risks we run into right away? Yeah, that's, I think if you ignore it, that's when your business might go out of business. I think that's probably the biggest risk. And obviously, if you're having physical signs of burnout, if you're having, you know, if you're having medical related uh, signs of burnout, and, and that's increased anxiety, that's, you know, I'm not sleeping, that's, uh, I'm, you know, all, all kinds of things fall into that. Um, I think you're at a, you know, you're, you're at a high risk for going to the hospital and finding out you have to have nearly an emergency surgery and have to take six weeks off of work. Like that's, that's, I I lived that story. So there are, I think the biggest risk is if one, obviously your health is at risk, I think. And then two, your business is at risk if you ignore it. I mean, if you just, if you just try to plow through it, I don't think that ends well. I had somebody come up to me after a speaking engagement this week and say, I, I went through like my three phases of burnout. And she, she was like, is there a fourth? Because I feel like I'm just smoldering embers. That's all that's left of me. She was like, I've got all those signs. Is there a fourth le- level? And I was like, I, you've got to, okay, you've got to address this. And we talked through her specific situation a little bit. And I gave her some, some guidance, but that's, I mean, your business, you might burn out like your business may actually burn down or burn not actually but figuratively burn to the ground if you don't address it because for most business owners if you are not in a you know manageable state of stress um, if you're burned out i don't your business doesn't really survive for very long so that's i think the thing is that you've got to address it because otherwise it's 
and if it does survive you're going to be miserable you're just you're not you're not going to like doing it anymore you're going to be wondering why don't i just have a job why did i ever leave my job and why don't i just go get a job which is like the worst that's just a hard place for business owners to be this resentment of oh why did i do this and yeah the regret you start having regrets about starting a business yeah and a lot of the times it's just, look, you're burned out. And this is something that a lot of business owners have gone through. And the one thing you need to do is say, I am, I've got too much. You, you have to acknowledge it to yourself and then literally ask one other person, one other business owner in your network for help. And I would almost bet that most of them have been through burnout. And even just knowing that somebody else has gone through something and they've gotten to the other side can help you see the light at the end of the tunnel as well. You know, maybe naivety and simplicity, mm-hmm. just this act of talking it through. Yeah. Oh, it's such a relief. It's like anything, anything big we deal with in life, usually anything big and hard that we deal with in life. The first step is awareness. Mm-hmm. The second step is acceptance or like acknowledgement. And it's 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 the same thing with business owner burnout. It's like an awareness of, oh, huh. And then, oh, wait a second. Am I dealing yeah. with this? Like, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things. There's a few things that I offer that can help you figure it out. And there's actually an assessment you can take that was written in the 80s, I think, by a professor out at UCLA. But you... Like there, so it's an objective tool. There are resources to help you even figure out if you're burned out. And then, you know, there's resources to help you move forward, move through it, for, you know, learn how to prevent it. And ultimately, the silver lining of burnout is that inevitably, if you pay attention as you're going through it, you're going to have some type of breakthrough. You're going to have some type of, you're going to have an idea that comes up that you just cannot unthink once you think it and those are once you get through burnout those are the things that can really help you make the most of your lessons i always tell people what did you learn from the burn like that's you know that's what you need that's what you focus on when you come out the other side you don't go through this you don't go through this burnout experience for nothing you go through it because if you pay attention you will have opportunities for breakthroughs on the other side of it. What did you learn from the burn? I quite like that (laughs) to say. Hey, I know it's nearly time to let you go. However, you mentioned super, super briefly in the beginning, the field sessions that you are going to be running. And and I think it sounds like fun. It sounds like great community. Mm -hmm. I definitely want the listeners to hear more about it. Who would be the person you would be looking for to join Mm -hmm. the group? So business owners who have that, they have an idea, they have some initiative that they just never seem to get to work on. So it's usually some type of big idea that they want to push forward. And it's a four week program. It's going to be, it's a mix of mastermind slash co-working. So we're going to do a little bit of masterminding, brainstorming, and then we're actually going to do work on the thing, on the initiative. So the first week is formulate, second week is upgrade. Third week is expedite and the fourth week is launch. And it's it's a four-week program, bam, 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 bam. And by the end of it, you're going to at least be to the point where you are. You may not be launching the full initiative, but you will have gained momentum on that one thing 
whether it might be writing a book, it might be starting a podcast, it might be launching an internship program, or it might just be figuring out your sales system. There's a lot of things that can fall in this category, but we're going to go through that in four weeks and really help you move that, move that forward. And I assume it's being run virtually. It's virtually, yep, it's all virtual. And I am for this, uh, the first round I'm charging uh, $197 for. So it's four meetings, 197 bucks. And you're going to be in there with other business owners. So it's not just, again, this is that community part of it. You know, you're not going to be in isolation anymore working on this thing. You're going to be with a cohort, a community of business owners that can help you move it forward. Small groups, not huge groups, uh, small groups like a mastermind group that you know, give you feedback and give you encouragement to keep pushing forward. And then also that co-working time to actually sit down and, and work on whatever that initiative is. Brilliant. So how can people sign up for it? <laughs> right now is probably the best thing they could do is um, go to my website and get on my email list. Because right now I'm actually only releasing this initial run and the run I'm signing up one right now. And then one in January is going to start. So get on my email list and then you'll be get You'll get an email about it uh, as I'm promoting it. And like I said, we're, I'm just getting this started. This is not, this is that thing that's taken me a year to build Kathleen. <laughs> this is that like, okay, this worked, this didn't work, this worked. This, I think this is the formula. Business owners need that short, short pops of inspiration and also just focused time and that cohort-based learning, that peer-to-peer support. And then they can go off and, you know, work on it after that. But I, I think this is those all of those things coming together. Uh, yeah, but go to my website, sign up with my email list, and you will get information about these fuel sessions. Brilliant idea. And by the way, use that time. I know Thanksgiving is coming, then Christmas is coming, and Hanukkah, and so on and so forth. Hey, there's never the time like now, right? Unless you feel burnt out, then take time for yourself or find a great community in there to support you and help you out. You never know. Your initiative might be coming up with a burnout prevention plan in this. And it's 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 definitely focused on, um, we start the week before, so November 13th, which is the week before Thanksgiving here in America, have that week of Thanksgiving off, and then we'll go, and then we have three weeks right in a row, and then we will be done before Christmas and the New Year. So it's just to really kind of maximize that time in between those holidays so that, you know, if you're the type of business owner who, you know, usually gets like things really slow down and you don't and you want to, you know, maintain gain and maintain your momentum, that's really who would be a good fit for this uh, for this this cohort. So don't lose time. Sign up for it yeah. uh, and enjoy it. And we are going to be publishing, obviously, your website as well. Mm-hmm. But tell the listeners again, what's your website? Yeah, my website is thejuliebee.com. And my last name is spelled like a bumblebee, B-E-E. So that is, and I'm the Julie B on pretty much every social network as well that I'm out on. So you can find me under that handle just about anywhere. Julie, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and having this really open and vulnerable conversation with you as well. So thank you so, so much. Kathleen, this has been a great conversation. I can't believe we've been talking for this long and I'm, uh, I can't wait to hear the episode. And thank you again for the platform and the opportunity to talk with your audience.
Thank you. And thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning in today. I wonder as to whether you feel brave and vulnerable um, to share your burnout story with us. Because I believe in our community, we all can learn from each other. So if there's anything you can share, any additional top tips, don't hesitate to get in touch and to let us know. And if you need any support, well, Julie is the person for you. So take it care of yourselves. And thank you so much for listening, for tuning in. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in general. Perhaps you have some ideas for additional topics, something that you're truly curious about. Please do leave your review on Apple Podcasts as well. It would mean the world to us. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Take good care. Bye.